a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're going to love the exhausted educator in Class is in session. Here's the short bald dude from the exhausted educator show. What is going on, education heroes? Thanks for dropping into the Exhausted Educator Show. So your school year probably hasn't started off quite as smoothly as you'd hoped. Right? You spent some time this summer getting yourself all pumped up and convincing yourself you're going to get in there despite the challenges and make an impact. And then you realize whether you're a weekend or you're over a month into the school year, you realize nobody's friend Delta is making a real mess of things. And I'm not talking about the airlines. (laughs) Challenges are all over the place, and it is easy to get burnout already, which is crazy to think. We're just getting started. So, we've got some water for that fire, ladies and gentlemen. I think you're really going to enjoy our special guest today. Uh, She hails from the great state of Texas. She's an instructional coach, and she's going to share with you uh, some pieces about trying to work through getting burnout. She'll share, she'll be very honest with us about her own experiences and how she had to work through some things. Just a really good, uh, really good person, and she's very open about her experiences. I I met her at an instructional conference over the summer, and I was I was immediately like, I've got to have her on. I think she's exactly what some of our our teachers and paras and administrators need to hear. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. Before we get to that interview, though, let me remind you, you can help us out by helping us grow because plenty of people need need help recharging their educational battery already. And so all you have to do, it doesn't cost you a cent, is maybe subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. That's pretty much it. Share anything, you know, spread the word with friends, but share anything on social media if you don't know already, you can always hook up with us at Exhaust Educator. That's where we're at on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Anything you could do to help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Here's the rundown for this episode. As already shared, we're going to have a special guest named Tiffany Elmer, who works in Texas as an instructional coach at the middle school level. I think you're going to enjoy that. Then it's going to move towards helping. I always say helping is hard. And I always say finding good help can be really hard sometimes too. Then we're going to finish up with thank yous. Thank yous to you and everybody else in education land. Stay tuned. Tiffany, I'm super happy to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. I had the pleasure of sitting in on one of your uh, sessions this last summer at the uh, Instructional Coaches Conference where you had a breakout session. You talked, it, uh, talked a lot about coaching burnout, and I, was, I really thought a lot of the things that you were saying res- would resonate well with our listeners. So I was really, I'm really happy to have you on. 
Uh, I'm just going to give you a few minutes to talk about you and, and your educational journey, um, how you've gotten to this point. And, and I know you're involved with coaching and you do a wide variety of things with writing and obviously science is your main content area. Just kind of give, give a little bit of background as much as you want to for our audience, okay? All right, great. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to speak with you today. I am obviously Tiffany Elmer from Kingwood Middle School in Humble ISD, which is right outside of Houston, Texas. And I, my, my uh, journey into education was very interesting. I originally majored in biology in college and some of my sciences had expired for a master's program. I was uh, enrolling in or applying to. And so I actually taught for a year while I was updating my sciences. And then throughout teaching that first year, which is, you know, your first year of teaching is always crazy. But like, I think I was about like halfway through my first year of teaching and I could vividly remember tutoring a student in high school chemistry and like that light bulb moment that so many people enjoy. She, um, it was just, it was really impactful to see that happen. And at that point I was like, you know what, I think I really like this. And I ended up never, never applying for the master's program in, in science that I was applying to. And I ended up staying in education and, um, I taught for, sorry, I taught for five years in science, high school, mainly high school biology and chemistry. And I was always really heavily, my um, first district that kind of like brought me up into education, they heavily trained me. They had instructional coaches and I was always very fascinated with that role because um, I feel like I wouldn't have survived my first few years teaching without that role at my campus. And the culture there was very, um, very much about growth and just supporting people. And the title wasn't actually an instructional coach at that time. It was considered a content specialist. But my content specialist worked very much within an instructional coaching capacity. And so I ended up going back for my master's in educational leadership. And after five years in the classroom, I made the transition into instructional coaching, which I think I, I talked about pretty frequently in the session that you attended this summer. Um, I instructionally, I was an instructional coach for two years in that district. And there were several reasons about why I kind of burnt out from that role and returned to the classroom. And then I think it's been like, I'm in my 12th year of education now and I returned to instructional coaching eventually. And I've been at my campus now for three years. You know, one of the thing, one of the things I'm always drawn to is when people share their personal stories and, you know, I'm, I've, I'm not usually, this is just me. I'm not usually one to like share my success stories. I'm just not, I don't know. It's not how I'm hotwired. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of drawn to it when people share like moments of vulnerability. And so I remember you talking about some of the challenges that you had along the way uh, towards, you know, specifically with coaching and, and burning out and, and then uh, relating it to, to some of the other things you'd experienced. And I just thought it was really meaningful stuff. I want to get into coaching a little bit and talk about that. But before I do that, I just want to, I want you to uh, maybe dive into a little bit of, this is such a crazy experience we've had over the last, so many months, last year, moving into this year and, uh, you know, trying to teach through a pandemic and the craziness that it's, that has gone along with it. Um, teacher burnouts at an all time high. Do you have any just suggestions for our educators and not just teachers, but our paraprofessionals, anyone really working in, in education on uh, you know, just how you how you persevere and 
and push through, you know, the things that stress you out and drag it down. And so you don't really get to the point where you're just feeling too burnout that you can't, can't uh, do what you're supposed to do and make that impact in the class. Man. Yeah. It's been a year for everyone. I feel like, and, um, I don't think the advice I have is really groundbreaking. I definitely would say, you know, like it sounds cheesy, but like it takes a village and I would definitely lean on your counterparts and your colleagues and coworkers as much as possible. Um, especially if you're in a true environment where they enable collaboration so that you have each other to kind of help share the workload. And then also I think right now, like just as you're speaking, this kind of came to mind for me with my teachers is everything feels like a lot of new basically. So like what I'm hearing from my teachers right now is it feels like we're doing more and like, it feels like more work with less time. And so really just asking that I've, so what I've been doing is I've been asking them like, what feels like more, like what feels new to you and just trying to find like the crux of like, what is basically eating their lunch. So I can take that off their plate or find a way to like find the time that they need for that. Um, and I think it's important to just do that for ourselves too. Like, like if you have a list of all the things that are on your plate for your, for whatever role you're currently in finding out like where you, where, what's eating the, like the majority of your time. I mean, time's so essential in education. That's nothing, that's nothing new. Um, We don't really ever get a lot of time already with all the things that are asked of us. But I will say that I don't, I think my administration has been very intentional and not adding anything new to my teachers. So when I start hearing that verbiage from them, like it feels like we're doing more or a lot, it was really important to me to figure out what it was that was um, taking, like taking up their time. And so that was a discussion I had today with like my lead teachers who, you know, your lead teachers are like the bread and butter of your campus or your teacher leaders. They like, they're the ones doing all the initiatives, all the things. So whenever they start feeling very like heavy, I'm like, okay, well, we need to find out like what the problem is. So my advice would definitely be to lean on each other, use your village, figure out what's eating up your time and what you can take off your plate. And then I guess just reconnect with your why. Like we all got into education to make a difference. And I feel like children need us more now than they ever have before. And it's okay to like own that, but don't let that like drag you down either. Like, you know, we can only, if they miss, if they're a year or two years behind, like focus on the growth. Don't focus on getting them like to all of seventh grade science this year. Wow. That, that's really, really well said. And, and, you know, you hit on, you said, yeah, maybe it's not groundbreaking what you're saying, but you tied a lot of really important pieces in there. Uh, it, leaning on others um, it, is super important. And matter of fact, you know, I, I'm, in my job, I get to work with one of my favorite parts is working with new teachers. And it's one of the first things I say, find somebody you can lean on, right? Like it's going to be so important. But you also touched on something that I don't think a lot of people really get into. And it's not really uh, falling into the lap of a teacher or a coach as their responsibility. You hit on the administration. You know, so many times if we have uh, administrators who have a really good understanding of the workload and the dynamics of the classroom, and they know how much they can put on you versus how, you know, when they need to step back and let you breathe, that is just a super important piece of the puzzle. It doesn't really go onto the lap of a teacher or a paraprofessional. Yeah, that's really, uh, from an administrative standpoint, something that sets the great ones apart, in my opinion. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I think my principal's always, he's always 
said that he strives to be a teacher's principal. And um, even in the sense that like, since I'm a support for the classroom, I'm not actively in the classroom. Like he, like that's a, like, he's here for teachers. So like whatever teachers need, that's what we're there to do. So I definitely think that that is true. Um, for sure. The, I, I think your administration just sets the whole tone for your campus. I've absolutely. The importance of leadership, it can't be understated. That's abs- absolutely true. The importance of the, the, the person or persons leading the way, whether they're administrators or um, teacher leaders or what we're, what we're going through now in coaching. So the reason why I, I uh, had the pleasure of sitting into your session was I do some instructional coaching with, with some of our teachers, and specifically some of our middle school teachers, what I, what I uh, brought a group to, to come hear you about. I wanted to talk a little bit about coaching and specifically, you know, what, what do you like? Let's start with what do you really enjoy about coaching? And then we'll kind of move in towards, you know, what you can do to help burn, uh, getting burnout and coaching. Cause there's two ends of it too, the, the super joy of it. And then it can be pretty taxing and it's a different kind of role than just, you know, teaching uh, in your classroom. Well, as far as what I enjoy most about coaching, I like that. I just feel like teaching, it's so weird in the sense that like I don't teach anymore, but I feel like teaching is the most important job on a campus. And I feel like schools and communities really have an obligation to, or schools have an obligation to serve their communities. And so when you think about the role teachers play in that with our students and um, the promises we make to the community about how we're going to care for students, I love supporting that role. Um, I think the thing I enjoy most about my role is like being the make or break for a teacher on a day. Like it's not every day that that happens, but it's some, but there are days when it's like, like not saying they couldn't survive without me because my teachers are all excellent but everybody like hits rock bottom sometimes or just needs to need support in being that difference for them is very um, rewarding for me in that sense. Like I like being, I like making their jobs easier so they can focus on what's most important. It doesn't, that doesn't always happen (laughs) every day. I wish it did. So you definitely have to find like when we get into talking about the burnout more, you definitely have to find other avenues of your impact. But whenever I hear my teachers like, say like, I couldn't have done this year without you. I'm like, okay, like I was helpful for them. You know, you don't just want to just be another body in the room or you don't want to just be like another checklist for them that they have to do. You want to like be doing the work jointly with them. And that's what I enjoy the most. You know, one of the things that I've, I've seen from, from coaches, they can play such a critical role in the classroom. One of, of supporting the, the educators, but one of the critical uh, components I've seen is building a relationship with the teachers, building a relationship with whoever it is you're working with. And I do remember you, you had mentioned that uh, a little bit and you kind of touched on that a little bit in uh, the session that I was in, uh, that I listened to. You want to talk a little bit about just the importance of relationship building with who it is that you're working with from a coach's perspective? Well, yes. Um, You know, there's this like really age old saying, like if the kids don't like you, they won't learn from you. The same is relatively true of teachers and they don't necessarily have to like you, but they have to trust you. And so when you're building relationships with teacher, you're building trust. You're building the fact that they know that when you say you're going to do something for them, you're going to do it. Like just today I'm supporting a co-teacher in a 
in one of my science teacher contents. And my science teacher was like, I don't think it's going to get done in time. I don't think it's going to get done in time. I was like, I'm doing it with her tomorrow morning so that she like, basically she doesn't know how to do something. So I'm building my co-teacher's capacity, but just the way the timings worked out since the very beginning of the school year, like it's literally kind of coming down to the wire. And I had to tell my science teacher, like, we're going to do it. And she's like, okay, like, you know, like that's trust. Like she, I've built up, I've been working with her for three years now. So I've been working with her long enough that she believes me when I say that. And that's essentially what you're doing whenever you're building relationships with teachers. On the flip side, I did not build great trust with another one of my teachers. And, um, you know, like we had a lot of difficult conversations last year. She's someone who's always very honest with and reflective of like our work together. But we both know that that trust has kind of been broken. So that's like something I already know, like in the back of my head, like our relationship I'm going to be where like some of my relationships with my other teachers are until like two years down the road from now, because like we, I've just broke trust at the very beginning of our working relationship. So it definitely impacts a lot of your work with teachers, because if they don't trust you, then they aren't going to want you in their room. They're not going to want to work with you. And it's, you know, you have to have trust to be vulnerable. And whenever you're talking about your instructional coaching and impacting teachers, like there's a vulnerability there. There's even a vulnerability on the coach's part because, you know, like you're working through a problem together and you might not always have the right answer. Sometimes you won't. So it's just kind of like, it just takes, a, there's a lot of like shifting dynamics there, but um, I definitely think building relationships is the most important part of an instructional coach's job. And it's going to take you like one to three years to do it. So it's, it's not the easiest part. Yeah. I, I imagine that you know, that's, that's an area that coach, when you're working on your instructional coaching, you need to build up to. And, uh, but it's, it's super important from what I've seen too, like the, the relationship you have with whoever it is that you're working with, uh, will, will make or break, you know, where you go, not just you, but you as a team, because obviously a coaching responsibility is a little bit different than say an administrator coming in. Well, Tiffany, I appreciate uh, you giving me a, a little bit out of your, your hectic, busy schedule in the middle of a school year. Uh, do you want to, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to share uh, social media wise, if anybody wants to uh, connect with you on social media, where could they find you? Um, I am at Elmer KMS. So it's E-L-M-E-R-K-M-S, which is my campus. And I Great. would love to yeah, connect with anybody. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing as a, uh, a coaching leader and, and also as somebody who's sharing your personal stories. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that about you and anybody else who's willing to share, you know, yes, your successes are great, but I think we all learn from each other when we share the moments when we're vulnerable. And I, I, I just appreciate that about you so much. So thanks again, Tiffany. And uh, thank you. the rest of your school year. Thank you, you too. Party time. In this edition of Party Time, we're going to talk about help. Sometimes it's hard to find really good help. You ever have an opportunity to help somebody, and then you walk away feeling good because you gave it your best no matter what it was, no matter what it was, whether it's in the classroom or in life in general, you feel good because you helped that person. On the other side, have you been the one who needed some help? 
and you reached out to some people thinking they could help you, and yet in return they blew you off or didn't give you probably as their best attempt at trying to help happens to a lot of people. Well, today I'm going to share with you two experiences. One where I lose my mind over something silly and another that's a little bit more serious and personal, but I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit for you today and share, in my opinion, how the people who are willing to really help are so amazing and so compassionate and just want to do the best that they can. And we need a lot of helpers in this world. We need a lot of helpers in education land, without a doubt. So let me take you back a few years. Oh, about 15 years or so ago, my wife and I bought a new house and it was an older house and about 50 years old and we put a lot of sweat into it. Then we had our son and realized we need something a little bit bigger. And so we purchased a new house. In the process, you know, you have to transfer everything over. One of those things was the cable. I'm not a big fan of trying to call cable companies. And I'm usually a pretty chill dude. I try to be laid back. I usually only lose my lid if I feel like there's a some kind of lack of respect, right? And so sometimes when you reach out to people to help you and they're just not very nice, it can cut you. You know, not physically, obviously, but it can cut you like a knife. It just because you need the help, but they either don't care to give it, don't know how to help, or give you a kind of a lazy try at it. Well, in this particular case, I had one of my calls to the cable company as I attempted to transfer cable from one house to another. And the cable company was great. Oh, this will be easy, sir. This will be a piece of cake. Matter of fact, we've made some changes to make it even easier for you. I thought, wow, what a different, what a different tune they're singing at our cable company. Maybe they're really making changes. So went through the process. Everything's set up, or so I thought. We moved to our new house, and yes, the cable transferred over. However, it was an issue. In the process, there was some extra fees that needed to be provided. I'd paid for cable at the previous house. They were asking for a certain amount at the other house. I did some number crunching and realized, somewhere along the lines, I lost between $150 to $200 in this deal. So I called, and I actually remember the first time I called thinking, this won't be that bad. I mean, they're just going to either put a credit on my account or refund us the money. It should be pretty easy. And I called, and the person who picked up the phone, you know, one of your customer service representatives, pretty much blew me off like I didn't know what I was talking about. I hung up the phone, frustrated, and thought, well, you know, sometimes you just need the right person. So... I didn't call immediately because I knew I'd, I might lose my lid if I was already pretty frustrated. So wait till like the next day. And I called and I got a similar response. And this continued. 
And I'd like to tell you that I got my needs met after a few calls. How about 32 phone calls? I still remember it. I called 32 times over the course of four months to try to get 150 it was it was between 150 to $200. Yep. And so many times I was like pleading, "Please, I'm not lying. I swear I'm not lying. Here's the information I have to give you. I provide them with all this information, this data. All I needed was somebody to be uh compassionate enough to listen." And there were a couple times I really did have some people who tried to help me couldn't figure it out. And then one day, I had a compassionate person who I had pretty much had talked to along the way, many different people from this cable company. And I had told them, sometimes in maybe not the most polite fashion, I was rather frustrated with this process. And I got to one person and I could tell he cared, right? It was a Saturday morning, Four months in, you know, most people would probably give up on this, but I was so enamored with the idea that I was not going to get, I was not going to lose this battle, right? I do have a little bit of a stubborn streak in me, I guess. So I kept, kept trying, kept trying. And my wife would kind of laugh at me because she knows every time I get on the phone, I get off and I'm frustrated and really upset and I never get, any, get anywhere. So I called one Saturday morning. And I got a very compassionate person, and I said, listen, I've been trying to do, deal with this for months, and nobody either seems to believe me or no one can find the information that I'm telling you. And I said, listen, it, for four months now, I've been calling 30-some times. Look at the phone records. If I was really lying, do you really think I would call 30-some times? Finally, the guy looked back and he was like, wow, you really have called a lot. But he still wasn't able to fix the problem. I appreciated that he actually tried. I hung up the phone. My wife then said, would you like me to try? I said, sure, go ahead. But I'm about ready to throw in the towel. I mean, it's 150 bucks. It's not like we're, you know, losing our house or anything. I was just wore out with the whole process at this point. And wouldn't you know, my wife got a very compassionate person on the phone and I'd tried for months, and it only took my wife one call to the cable company, and they somehow, some way, realized their mistake and refunded our money. I was happy about it, but I thought, wow, I should have just had you call early on. For some odd reason, they weren't listening to me. So what does that have to do with anything? How about some people are willing to try to help, and it makes a huge difference. Like you in your classroom. There's teachers who really roll up their sleeves and try to help. There's paraprofessionals who are working with students, either groups or individual students, who are trying to go above and beyond and give help. Not just the, yeah, I'll I'll give you a little bit of help with this, like the full on, I'm digging in, we're going to figure this out together, even though it's tough kind of help. That's sometimes hard to find. Education land's filled with people like that, thankfully. My other story is a little less humorous and also involves me getting frustrated, but it's more of a, a, a bigger picture. So a few years ago, I shouldn't say a few years ago, uh, about eight years ago now, my son 
was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And through that process, my wife and I realized, well, there were people who were willing to help, but there weren't enough people. So obviously most of you out there listening to this or watching this probably don't, maybe you don't even know anybody with type 1 diabetes. Maybe you uh, maybe you know somebody, but don't know the ins and outs. Basically, my son's pancreas shut down on him. No longer, uh, he, he no longer has the capability of producing insulin in his body. So it started off with shots, and he had to. Uh, we had to give him injections of insulin, uh, probably maybe 10, 12 times a day total. And you monitor his blood sugar. It is a very taxing process. It's a scary thing for families to go through. And there just wasn't a lot of help. In our state where we are, in Delaware, it seemed like a lot of the resources were upstate. And we don't, you know, we live, live more centrally. And so in order for us to get uh, extra help, we would have to travel an hour or an hour or so north, which just wasn't convenient. But then you start to come on, in, you start to introduce to certain people who have ideas. And when you reach out to help, for help, they're like, have you done this? Have you tried this? And it's not just ideas. It's, have you tried this? Let me do this for you. And I cannot tell you how important it is to somebody who is really struggling to have somebody extend a hand and say, I got this for you. I know you're stressed out. I know you're going through a rough patch. You and your wife and your son are in just the battle that you never thought you'd be in. Frankly, I didn't know anything about, I didn't know much about type 1 diabetes, uh, certainly not to the extent that I needed to. And we had some people say, have you tried this? Have you, have you thought about this? It just meant the world. It meant the world. As my son went through the next phases of, of his life, I, said, I think I said eight years, actually, it was, it's about six years ago now when he was diagnosed. You know, when, he, when he started to go through his process, we started to realize there's devices that can make his life better, and it has been a game changer. And what we've known is some people who have kids with type 1 diabetes or adults with type 1 diabetes are willing to help others. So, for example, he has a Dexcom, which allows us to uh, monitor his blood sugar. If for some reason, because healthcare is can be crazy sometimes and insurance can be crazy sometimes, if we get to a point where you know we've ordered something and it's backlogged and we need it, like a Dexcom... We can reach out to people and they're like, yeah, we got extras. We'll give it to you. That help is like soul cleansing for people who are really struggling. Now, I'm telling you all this not because, you know, I want you to, to feel bad for, for myself and my, my family. That's not the case. It's our new normal. My son has, is my actual, he's my personal hero because he has um, stepped into this challenge from day one. So that's not the case. I want to use it as an example for you to understand when people really help, they're willing to bend over backwards for you. And it is exactly what the doctor orders sometimes. What does that mean for your, your classroom? Those kids in your classroom need you. They need you. They want you to bend over backwards for them. Now, I'm not talking about doing everything for them. I'm talking about 
Maybe it's being building a relationship with them. Maybe it's being a ear to listen. Maybe it's helping them through some stuff that they struggle with, academically, socially, behaviorally, all of it. Helping is hard, but my goodness, when you have real helpers, it makes a world of difference. I speak from personal experience. If you're a real helper out there, you're willing to roll up your sleeves and say to somebody, I got this for you. Maybe it's your staff, uh, staff member who's struggling with something, right? Maybe it's a family. Maybe it's a student in your classroom. I got this for you. I know you're struggling with this. I'm going to help you with this. It will make a huge impact on that person. You might not realize the full impact, but it can. I hope you're doing all right. What a crazy start to a school year. I'm going to close on this. If you're feeling burnout already, it's not just you. There are plenty of teachers, principals, paraprofessionals, bus drivers, nurses, the list goes on and on, that are just feeling strung out already. It's just challenging. Reach out to somebody. Lean on somebody if you need to. I'll close on this before I send you to the big thank you on the other side of this. Exhaust, at Exhaust Educator is where you can find us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And you can also leave us notes down in, uh, in YouTube down below if you'd like. We'd love to hear from you if you haven't reached out already. And if you're able, subscribe, spread the word. We want to recharge everyone's educational battery. It is the students who will benefit, if that's the case. Remember, helping's hard. So take care of yourself so you can take care of them. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you to the teachers, the paraprofessionals, to the principals, to the bus drivers, to the nurses, to the secretaries, cafeteria workers, custodians, and anyone else who's working out there in education land. Thank you for being unselfish, for trying your best to start a school year that has been anything but easy, but yet there you are and you continue to go. Why? Because you care. You care about those students that you're impacting on a daily basis. I honestly think you can't have enough thank yous. You can't have enough pats on the back. You deserve it. And I hope they're coming from others. And I hope people in your community realize the sacrifices that you're given. So thank you. Thank you for being helpers. Thank you for putting others before yourself. Thank you for trying to make an impact during crazy times. Your students and the kids at your school are really lucky to have you in their lives. Party time! It's like, sirens are going off in my head. We're gonna try to just not be horrible. Watching you exhausting educators.
always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs>